Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Today for Mother's Day, we're going to focus on the decision of love. Uh, we're going to be over in First uh, Kings chapter uh, 3, uh, verse 16 and 28, and I will read that in just a moment. Um, but before we do, um, with it being Mother's Day, that's really what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to celebrate the decisions of love that we see take place in, in the lives of mothers who will seek their children's benefit before their own who will seek their family's good uh, before their own. And uh, we're going to see that in kind of an unusual story this morning. But it's not just for, for mothers, <clears throat> but it's also for all of us as we look at this passage of Scripture to see how God wants to use His wisdom in our lives to help us make the correct decisions and, and also for His love to be active in our lives and how we relate to others, not just mothers, but all of us. If you have your Bible with you, we might not make a habit of doing this all the time, but uh, this one of the things we kind of discussed at, uh, at our staff retreat, and I want to be sure that through various ways, uh, we honor God's Word as we read God's Word, and as you look at God's Word and apply it to your lives. So I want to ask you if you would to stand with me today and honor God's Word as we read. <clears throat> 1 Kings 3, beginning at verse 16. Then two prostitutes came in to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in, in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine and the dead is yours. And the first said, No, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. And thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son that is alive and your son is dead. The other says, No, but your son is dead and my son is a living one. The king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he should be neither mine nor yours, divine him. 
Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is the mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Father, help us today as we look at this passage of Scripture. Help us to celebrate a decision of love that we see a mother make in the story. Help us also to make those same decisions in, in, in our life for the benefit of others. Father, help us to depend upon your wisdom as Solomon does in this story. Help us to apply your wisdom to our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, before you prejudge the text that I have read, and before uh, you get offended and bothered by the text, and you may be thinking to yourself, why in the world would Pastor Lynn read a passage of Scripture that starts out talking about two prostitutes on Mother's Day? Uh, I want you to give the passage a chance and and, and stay open-minded, because I think there's some important lessons and truths for us to garner there. Uh, Jared, our, our son, was in for the weekend. He came in yesterday, and he was walking by where my notes were, Kyle, and he said, well, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I started telling him that, uh, well, I'm reading a passage that talks about two prostitutes. And uh, I'm reading a passage where it talks about cutting a baby in half. And Becky was walking down the hallway, and he yelled down to her, Happy Mother's Day! You know, because of what the text was going to deal with. But as we uh, look at this passage, I think there's some really important applications that that we can make today, not just for, for mothers, but all of us as we think about this decision of love. I want you to see three main things today. First one is this. The decision of love is more than something sensual or sexual. The, the reason I felt compelled to point this out is because of what's said here in the Bible. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. I I did not in some way want someone to partially hear the text or partially hear what we're talking about this morning and somehow go away with the idea that since the Bible mentions two prostitutes, that means it's an okay thing. Because when we look at the Bible, the Bible is really, really clear when it comes to activities like this and and to sexual immorality. And this isn't the main part of the message. We'll get to the main part of the message in a few minutes. But I just want to be clear this morning. I did not want there to be any chance for somebody to misunderstand and think, oh, well, the Bible talks about prostitutes, so maybe some of those activities aren't too bad. There's a lot of restrictions and punishments found in the law of Moses. We're not going to turn there. But in Leviticus 19, verse 29, Leviticus 21, uh, verse 7, verse 9, verse 14, Deuteronomy 23, 18, just some examples you can read later. The book of Proverbs over and over again gives warnings against this type of activity and and even refers to uh, that woman as a strange woman and warns about going to the door of her house and warns about being taken with with her eyes. So the Bible clearly speaks against it. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The body's not meant for sexual immorality before the Lord. In other words, if you're a believer, if you know Christ is your Savior, your body, the main focus of your body ought to be about serving Him and being lived for Him instead of practicing some type of sexual immorality. And the Lord for the body. And God raised uh, the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. 
Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? In other words, if you know Christ is your Savior, guess who's in you? Jesus is. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. So the activities that you involve yourself with, you're subjecting God to those same activities. Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, he said. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two become one flesh. For he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Now, that's not just talking about things like prostitution. He says flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But, sexually, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And as believers, if you know Christ as your Savior, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Jesus. He paid for you on the cross. So our goal is to glorify Him in our bodies, not to be involved in other activities that the Bible clearly prohibits and say that we should not be involved with. But all that being said... And all that being true, I want us to reflect for a moment to think about the tragic circumstances that some women are in in the world today. Some women are in this type of environment because they chose it for themselves. But whether we like to think about it or not, or whether you've heard much about it or not, or investigated it, there's a a large human sex trade in the world today. Where children are abducted and disappear. Where women are kidnapped and and disappear. And and they're subjected to this type of environment, environment, not because they volunteer, not because they want to be, but because they're trapped in it. So we need to think about that on this Mother's Day. Thank God for the environments hopefully you have in your homes. But but think how terrible it would be to be a a lady trapped in that type of environment and, and how much we ought to pray for them. Not just a a lady, but as this text even intimates to us today, children are caught up in this type of environment. Because we have a a child here in this story. That child didn't ask to be born in that type of environment, in that type of home, but that's where the child was born. And and all across our world where children were being born in places like that. And and guys, when I say across our, our world, don't just think, well, oh yeah, that's somewhere off, somewhere else. We might not like to think about it, but there are places in our own communities. There are places in our own counties. There are places in our own state, in our nation, to where people are in bondage like that. And where children, not because they want to be, they don't have a choice, but they're being brought up in that type of tragic, terrible environment. And how much we ought to be be praying for, for children. How our hearts ought to be torn for children, especially as we think about on Mother's Day. Before we move on, I want to balance something for us, though. Because it's really easy when I talk about the things I just said for us to be filled with outrage. Or it's really easy for us to have a condescending tone and look our noses down on on women who are caught up in that environment or maybe even women who chose that environment for themselves. It's really easy for us to become judgmental. What we need to remember also this morning is this. The grace of God even applies here. Amen? 
You, you can't go far enough to where the grace of God can't apply to you. And, and we might tend to think of women that choose this type of profession or in this type of environment as being beyond reachable, but that's the farthest thing from the case. God loves them just as much as he loves us. Jesus died for them on the cross just as much as he died for us. And it's our responsibility to try and rescue them with the gospel of Christ when we have the opportunity and try to pray for them. Because even though they may be in those kinds of environments, for us just to stand back and condemn and, and be filled will outrage and turn our nose down does no good. We need to remember the grace of God can still apply there. You want evidence of that? You remember a lady in the Bible by the name of Rahab? Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And she recognized some things that God was doing through his people. And she made a deal with them. And they saved her alive. But guess where Rahab's name also appears in the Bible? Her name also appears in the bloodline of Jesus. Her name also appears in the faithful of Hebrews chapter 11. So if you want to see a picture of the grace of God, this lady who had been a prostitute by the name of Rahab is in the very lineage, bloodline of Jesus Christ the Savior. Man, that's a picture of grace, isn't it? We ought to be thankful for that kind of grace. Second thing I want you to see from this story today is this. The decision of love should provoke correct dealings with others. The decision of love in our heart should provoke correct dealings with other people. In this story, it told about two women. One gave birth and then it says on the third day, after that lady gave birth, this woman also gave birth. They were alone in the, in the house. No one else was there to be a witness. We'll kind of come back to that in a moment. They were the only ones in the house. And this woman's son died during the night because she lay on him. She accidentally lay on him and smothered him. That's a tragedy, isn't it? That's some tragic circumstances that took place there. But, but let's keep reading in, in the rest of the story of what took place there. Next slide. And she arose at midnight and took my son beside me while your servant was asleep and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, oh, he was dead. But then when I looked closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I'd born. Hey, here's a little side message. Mama knows their, know their children. Amen. Not just the way they look, the way they sound when they cry out or whatever. You can be a crowd of kids and a crowd of moms sitting there and the mom knows their child when their child cries out. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. And they're just arguing back and forth about it. Can I ask you a question? What? kind of person would do that what what kind of person would take their dead baby and in the night steal away the living baby of another lady and then when confronted about it lie about it and continue to say no that baby's mine the dead baby's yours now, I know we hear similar stories to that in our culture a lot of times in the world. There are stories that will hit the news every few years to where maybe some lady had tried to sneak into a nursery in a hospital and steal a baby away. 
or sneak into a home at night and steal a baby away. And sometimes it's because the woman that did that was so distraught because she had lost a child herself. But still, yeah, whatever the reason is, what kind of person would do that? What kind of person would, would take their dead child? They didn't mean to kill it. They accidentally killed it, smothered it by accident, sleeping on it, and exchange it for another lady's child. And they be so obstinate about it, they continue to lie about it. You see, while we may not do that exact same thing, All of us are probably guilty from time to time of not responding to other people like we ought to respond to them. You may not steal someone's baby during the night, but there may be some other circumstances. And a lot of times it's because we are so bent on having our own way and getting what we want that we could care less what it does to somebody else. We could care less how it affects the emotions of somebody else. See, real, real love, authentic love, a decision of love will prompt us to have the right dealings with other people ourselves. Let me just give you a sample out of, out of Romans 12 that ought to show us and motivate us how we ought to respond to others. A lot of other passages I could go to, but Romans 12, verse 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. In other words, don't go around acting like you love somebody when you don't. Let it be an authentic, real love. Don't just be blowing smoke someone's direction so you can get what you want out of them. Our love needs to be genuine. We need to abhor what is evil or what is wrong. Hate what is wrong. Hate what is evil. We need to hold fast to what's good. We need to love one another with brotherly affection, just like we're, we're family, because in the church, especially we are, we're all the family of God through the blood of Jesus. We need to outdo one another and show an honor to the other person. You see, if you've got that type of focus that you're going to outdo the other person and show an honor to them, you're not going to do the kind of things we see in the story that we're reading in Kings today. In verse 15 and 16, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. I think sometimes maybe we might do a decent job with weeping with people when they weep. We can maybe get in with their sorrow and, and weep with them. I think the problem comes sometimes for some people with rejoicing when people rejoice. Instead of us being happy for somebody else, we're jealous that someone else got something that we didn't get. Someone else got some kind of recognition that we didn't get. And it keeps us from responding the right way. And it tells us to live in harmony with one another. Romans 12, 18. If possible, sometimes it's hard, but if possible, as far as it depends on you. In other words, you can't control what the other person does. But as far as it depends upon you, if possible, as far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Listen, that's the Bible whether you like it or not. And whether you want to apply it to your situation or not, that's what the Bible says. In this story in the Old Testament, we see a woman severely mistreating another lady. And like I said, while we may not do the exact same thing, we need to be concerned about other people. We need to let this story teach us that we ought to respond to other people in the right way. As Christians, we're called to a higher level of living. As Christians, we're called to love people like Jesus loves people. That's what he calls us to do. 
Third thing today, and this is the main part of the Mother's Day message. You're probably glad I'm getting there, I guess. <clears throat> the decision of love is clearly seen in a mother's heart and actions. The decision of love is clearly seen in, in a mother's heart and actions. The king said, the one says, this is my son that's alive and your son's the one that's dead. And the other one's saying exactly the opposite. So Solomon has a solution. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before him and he tells one of his soldiers, I want you to take that sword and I want you to divide that baby in two and just give part to one and part to the other. And we may think, how in the world could King Solomon order such a thing? How in the world could King Solomon be so harsh? And when he presented that scenario, the real mother cried out, Oh, don't do that. Let her have the baby. And the other one cried out completely different. Well, he's not going to be either one of ours. Just go ahead and cut him in two. I don't care. That's more or less what she's saying. And through that, Solomon discerns who the mother is, gives the baby to the right mother, and it says that all the nation stood in awe of the wisdom that they saw displayed. You have to factor something into the background of Solomon to get us to this part of the story. God had appeared to Solomon. And more or less, God showed up to Solomon. They're kind of getting ready to dedicate the temple and everything. And God shows up to Solomon. And he, and he more or less says this, Solomon, tell me whatever you want and whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Can you imagine me putting that scenario? What would you ask for? You know? And he could have asked for riches, but he didn't. Instead, he asked for wisdom because he understood the position he's going to be in, leading that nation, and he asked for God to give him the wisdom so he would be able to fulfill that role of leading the nation as king. And because God was so pleased with what Solomon asked, he also gave him riches. And the Bible tells us he was wealthier than anyone that's ever lived. So we have to factor that into the background of the story because you see the wisdom that Solomon is applying here. He's not trying to be harsh. He's being very, very smart in applying the wisdom that God had put in his heart to help him discern who the real mother is. He's confronted with a tough decision. How would you like to be in that decision? How would you like to be the one making the choice? You see, based upon the story, no one else was there as a witness. No one except the two women. Solomon had no one else to go to. He could not go to someone else that had observed everything and said, well, you give a witness here on the stand and tell us what happened. So instead, he had to use some wisdom. It might have been kind of an unconventional approach when he said, bring the sword out here. And then the, the, the two women see that, that gleaming sword of the soldier ready to cut the baby in half. And when Solomon takes this process, this step, trying to discover the truth, he more or less hits a chord in the heart of these two women. 
when musicians are tuning an instrument, there's a certain note they're trying to hit to get it in tune. Or people will take a tuning fork to help tune instruments like pianos and, and things, so it hits a certain note. Solomon, by his wisdom here, hit a certain note in the hearts of these two women. The one woman's heart was already bitter. And she wasn't willing to listen to anything about compassion or love. She, she was closed-minded. She didn't care what happened to the baby. All this did is just provoke more bitterness in her heart. I'll go ahead and cut the baby in two then. But for the other mother, the real mother of this living baby, it struck a special note or chord in her heart. And she, as a true mother would, would say, no, don't do it. Don't cut the baby in half. I mean, she might have been thinking, hey, we get beyond this. Maybe I can get another process to get the baby back. Or at least she would know that the baby was growing up and healthy and alive. But whatever it might have been, her motivation, you see the true picture of a mother's heart because she's willing to put her son before herself. She's willing to put her child before herself. And any of us that have grown up in environments where we had good loving mothers. You've seen that happen over and over again. I've, I've seen it in counseling before over the years in ministry to where I could identify or, or hear a story about someone and I, and I could understand that that mother was even going without food to be sure that the children had food. That the mother might have wanted a new dress, but that, but that mother didn't buy the new dress because she wanted her children to have something instead. That, that's a picture of a mother's heart. And that's the kind of picture we see displayed in this story of this mother's heart. As she puts the son before herself and what her own desires would be for the benefit of the child. See, that's the kind of attitude that we're celebrating today on Mother's Day. We're celebrating women that make decisions to love. They make decisions of love. Women that put their families first. Women that put their children first. Women who love their, their, their family in that way. They make decisions, good decisions for the benefit of their children. I know most of our children are upstairs. But the rest of you that qualify as children, you, you still listen to this. Sometimes you may not understand the mother's choice or the daddy's choice. But if you've been given a mother and a dad that loves you, they're trying to make the best choice for you, whether you understand it or not. We, we see that picture in this, in this story. I want to make a couple of other applications. I know we're talking about a mother's love, but let me make a couple of other applications from this. Can you imagine if... The mother instinct that we see in this woman, in this story. Can you imagine if that mother instinct prevailed in all humanity? Think about that for a moment. How much better would our world be? How much better would our, our government be? I mean, how much better would our churches be? How much better would places of employment be? How much better would our world be if, if people had this pervasive type of attitude in their life, that they're going to put others first, 
That they're going to love others first. That they're going to make decisions of love. Man, that would totally change the world that we live in today if we saw that type of attitude prevalent in all humanity. See, if we had this type of, of prevalent attitude in all humanity, you'd have people who would, would, would be so in love and so concerned about the defenseless, then we would take care of the defenseless. The, the homeless, we'd be taking care of the homeless. Those who are, who are hurting, those who are, who are suffering, our world would be a, a much better place if all of us had this pervasive attitude that we see in this woman's heart, in this mother's heart. I want you to also consider this story from a, a little bit different approach. Wasn't planning on this as I started the, the sermon, but I want, you to, I want you to consider how from this story we ourselves need to use God's wisdom like Solomon does in making decisions. We, we need to use God's wisdom in making decisions, and we need to cry out against situations that cause divisions in our world. So instead of thinking about this baby in the story, think about the baby as our culture. Or think about the baby as our government. Or think about the baby as your family. Or think about the baby as your friends. Or even think about the baby maybe even as a church. Because if if we would practice this type of wisdom and this type of love in our decision-making process... We would put others first like I was talking about a moment ago. We'd be making the right choice for the other person instead of us wanting our way. This mother, no doubt, was before the king trying to get a decision. She loved that baby. She wanted to raise the baby, but she was willing to make a different choice for the benefit of the baby. What if we were like that in all the arenas of life that we walk in? To where we're willing to put the other person first. As we looked at in, in Romans a few minutes ago. Regrettably, all too often what happens is this. People get so, so narrow vision, so blind, that all they can see is what they want. And what their desire is. And what they think the outcome ought to be. And instead of trying to consider what's best for the baby in this story. I wish we would see this type of decision-making and this type of wisdom and this type of love applied in our world today. Can you imagine how much different our government would be? They can't even make rational decisions anymore because they're so polarized because one group wants this and another group wants this, and sometimes both are wrong, and it's not even rational what they're thinking about or logical if they'd be honest and, and, and talk about it and sit down and talk about it. But that doesn't matter. They just want what they want and what they want instead of recognizing what ought to be done for the greater good. How much better would our country be if people would make decisions based upon God's wisdom, if our leaders would do that based upon God's wisdom? How much better would your family be if you make the decisions within your family based upon God's wisdom and and the the decision to love and put others first? How much better would your friendships be if you would make that type of decision among other people in the friends that you have relationships with? Instead of letting these things polarize you, you would put them first instead. How much more unity would our churches have? Isn't it a tragedy that 
that, that sometimes our churches can be the most disunified place on the planet. And, and, and God's, God's protected us from that for the most part over the years we've been here. And I, and I praise God for that. But, but Satan would love for it to happen. He would love for it to happen. But if all of us as believers would always put the other person first and, and not be so concerned about our own personal desires and everything, how much better place would our churches be? I've not said a, a, a lot about this until now. But wouldn't you love to be in a world where government leaders made the choices and the decisions that they make based upon God's wisdom? The whole nation, it says, stood at all at the wisdom of God that they saw Solomon exercising in this story. I, I wish we could celebrate that. I, I wish we could see God's wisdom displayed by our leaders to where we just had to stand in awe. But instead, many of us act like this uh, one woman that's being really, really selfish. I don't care, cut the baby in half. When what we need to be more like is a woman that is not selfish, but she's selfless. And she's put in the benefit of the baby first. Solomon discovered the truth. He discovered what was right in this situation by practicing God's wisdom, by using God's wisdom, and by making an appeal to the principle of affection and compassion and love. And we need to learn that in our own lives. Make your decisions based upon God's wisdom. What is that? For us, it's this right here. We, we have it. We have God's word. We need to apply God's word to our lives. Make our decisions based upon what God says, what his wisdom says. And we need to make our decisions based on love and compassion. As we see this woman makes the decision there. Even though it hurt her heart to say, let her have the baby. She's making a love. She's making a decision based upon affection, compassion, and love. So I was studying uh, last week for this message. I ran across a couple of stories that were just from the secular world. They kind of communicate a similar truth. One was about an emperor. And the emperor was having to make a decision, having to deal with a situation to where this woman was refusing to recognize that this man was her son. I don't know what the full scenario was. If she didn't want to have to care for the son, it was a grown son. Or she didn't want to just admit that he was her son for some reason. I don't know what was taking place. That wasn't included in the story. But what the emperor did was this. (laughs) The emperor said, all right, if that's not your son, then I'm going to command you to marry him. That'd fix it, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, the woman came clean, and she said, oh, well, I, I, am, I am the mother. read another story about a, a king from a, a, a nation that was called Thrace, the king of Thrace. And he was having to make a decision in another adjoining kingdom. The king there had died in the adjoining kingdom, and there are three young men that all claimed to be the son of that king, an heir of that king, saying, we ought to get the kingdom So the king of Thrace had them to come because all this was really 
uh, current that was happening and the, the body of the king was still laying in state that had died. And he had these three men come and he gave all three of them bow and arrows. And he commanded them to shoot an arrow into the body of the king. First two did it. No problem. No problem. The third one refused. And the king of Thrace said, that's the son of the king. See, he used God's wisdom, but he was using affection and compassion and love as a standard to help get to what the truth is. And guys, that's what we need to do in our own lives. The truth is revealed in this story based on affection, compassion, and love. And we need to seek to apply God's truth, his wisdom, and justice to situations in our life based upon affection, compassion, and love. All I've talked about today is the decision of love. The main goal was to talk about mothers who have this same type of heart of love. Self-sacrificing type of love. But while the message is for mothers today, it's for all of us. I want to challenge all the mothers here that you be the kind of mother that makes the decision that you're going to love your child and put your child first. But I want to challenge all the rest of us that we need to be the kind of people that treat other people the way they ought to be treated. If we have God's wisdom active in our lives and God's compassion and God's love in our lives, we're not going to be mistreating other people like you see in this story. But with being Mother's Day, guys, we just we need to celebrate. Aren't you thankful for the love of mothers? Amen. We need to celebrate the love of mothers. We need to so apply God's wisdom to our life and be concerned about compassion and love and, and putting others first that what happens is what we see happen in Israel here. That people around us and the nation around us and communities around us start to stand in awe. Because of the wisdom of God and the love of God that they see displayed in our lives as believers. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you again from others. Father, I pray you equip and 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 God you even burden, but you 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 challenge all the mothers here to be to be mothers that want to apply your wisdom and listen to your wisdom. To be, to be mothers that, that want to, to, to put their family first and love their family in that way. That makes decisions of love for their family. Father, help all of us who know Christ as our Savior. God, help all of us to make decisions of love to where we treat others the way they should be treated. That we honor others before ourselves. Father, help us to apply your wisdom to the situations of life. Help us to apply your love to the situations of life. And through that, may the truth always be revealed. God, so transform our culture, so transform our churches, so transform our our nation that we stand in awe of your wisdom. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. While I've been predominantly talking about the love of mothers today, right before we have this invitation time this morning, I want to point you to a a different love.
I want to point you to a love that's the most extreme love, the most amazing love that you could ever see. God so loved you that he chose to send his son, his son, his son into this world so he could eventually be nailed to a cross, sinless and perfect Jesus, and carry all of our sins to the cross upon himself and pay the full penalty for all of our sins. You will never, ever, ever find anybody that loves you that much. That's the greatest, most amazing love that has ever existed or will ever exist. If you don't know that love today, if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior today, why not do it today? Don't let the Satan whisper in your ear and say, well, you, you can... You can wait till next week. You can go out the door and you can wait to come back some other time. Now, if God's dealing with your heart now, you need to do it now. Men, I want to I challenge you during this invitation. If you're here, your wife is there with you. I want to challenge you to let your wife know during this invitation how much you love her. Let her know that you value her for much greater reasons than just sensuality or sex. I challenge you even to take your wife by the hand and come and kneel and pray and tell your wife how much you love her and and, and pray before God with her at your side and, and tell God how much you value your wife. There's nothing wrong with that other intimate part of the relationship. God designed it. But it's about a whole lot more than that. And I would also challenge you to pray this morning for women that are caught in those tragic circumstances across this world. There are organizations in our world that are trying to rescue those women from sex slavery. Pray they'll be effective. Pray for their protection. Pray for those women to be rescued. Pray pray for the women that are not there in slavery. They've made the choice. Pray for them to walk away from it and walk to Christ. And let's thank God also this morning for moms. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.